0: This week on Conversations with Parents Who Write, I'm going to share with you a variety of revision techniques that are applicable for articles, blog posts, essays, books, and more. Specifically, what steps can we take to make revisions less overwhelming, to not lose momentum, and to organize our thoughts more easily? To answer these questions, I'm going to share tips and tricks I've learned during my 14 plus years as a magazine and book editor. My name is Erin P.T. Canning, and I'm a writer, editor, and a mom of two young boys. I'm the founder of Life Beyond Parenting, where I help parents make time for their writing and thus themselves. In this episode, I share which methods work best for me and my clients to help us see more clearly the structure of our projects. I also discuss how following this progression and using these techniques breaks down the revision process into easier chunks. So if you're looking for ways to make the revision process more manageable, stay tuned. Hey, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode. The topic for today is revision techniques. I love talking about revision techniques because, hello, I'm an editor, so this is kind of my jam. I am going to get to more technical revision techniques. I just want to start out with perspective and how to not lose your momentum. The first thing that I want to recommend is after you have completed your first draft, step away. Give yourself time to separate from the story because your brain has been so deeply engaged in this story for however long it took you to write that first draft that if you have it's too hard at that point to think about how you're going to rework this material because your brain is going to be filling in gaps for you because you've just been embedded in it for so long. So it really is advisable to take a break from that writing. now. For me, when I'm talking about blog posts or articles, I'll take a day or two away from it. If it's the novel that I'm working on right now, I'm going to need at least a week, if not longer, to separate myself from that first draft. And the reason why is because when you go back to revising your work, you need that degree of separation so that you can look at your work more from the perspective of a reader. And that will enable you to better see the gaps and holes in your story. Some people have expressed concern that by editing or revising their work over and over again, they're going to get bored and get sick and tired of it, which is why you need that degree of separation to step away from it. But then people can be nervous that they are going to lose the momentum for that piece and One of the best ways that you can maintain the momentum for that piece is to write down your big why for that story. Why is it that you feel the need to tell this story? What is the message that you were trying to convey? Why did you feel this huge motivation to write this thing in the first place? And that will help you if you lose your motivation to be able to go back to that and remind yourself why this matters. So like I said, having that degree of separation will allow you to start to look at your work from a reader's perspective. And here's the other reason why that matters. It helps you to take some of the emotional investment that you have in your story away. How many times you hear the expression, kill your darlings. And it's hard because you're like, I spend so much time on this beautiful passage and I love it with all my heart. I get it. I really do. But you need to be able to recognize that when you're reading it later and be like, ooh, this actually really isn't serving my story. And now that I've separated from it, I can let it go. I, too, have struggled with this in the past. So what has actually helped me to get over that hurdle is I have a separate Word document where I will cut the pieces out. I will move my darlings into that separate Word document. And it's sort of like gently laying them to rest. It just helps me feel so much better to know that this section that I worked so hard on hasn't been lost in the ether. It still exists if I need to resurrect it somewhere. But I'll tell you, pretty much every time I have moved a piece of writing that I was completely in love with and I didn't want to let go of, whenever I moved it into that document so that I could rewrite, whatever I needed to rewrite, 10 times out of 10, what I wrote afterwards was so much better. So now I'm going to get into the more technical parts of revision techniques. The next part of your editing process is going to involve looking at the structure. Think of this as like an architect, how the house is built. You don't want to have your kitchen Buried in the basement, separated by a thousand stairs, right? You want to look at the structure of your story. And you can start doing that at a higher level in terms of headings. If you're talking about, again, articles, you want to look at how those are organized and make sure that that is logical flow. You can do the exact same thing with your chapters. The big idea is you want them to be organized in a logical order. And I say logical order, not Chronological order. Sometimes it is that you're going to want to reorganize everything to be chronologically correct, but a lot of times we actually want to jump around in our story to create deeper connections. So when I say a logical order, you're talking about the progression of your ideas from what you've introduced until you've made your point at the end. This is big level stuff, guys, and structural level edits like this. When we're talking about the architecture of your piece, that is exactly what a developmental editor would be doing for you. They will be making sure that everything goes in a logical order and they'll be putting together timelines for you to make sure that you don't have your entire story take place. Like if it's a novel and it's supposed to take over, say years, but then it actually turns out to be like within three days, you know, they'll be able to point that stuff out for you. After you've done that with section heads and chapter heads, then you want to move on to paragraph level reorganizing. And I look at paragraphs like bricks. This is when you're going to start grouping like ideas together. And I have a couple techniques for this because I know that it can feel overwhelming as you feel like your if your ideas are bouncing back and forth. Have you ever had that where you're reading something and you just feel like you're constantly bouncing back and forth between different ideas? You avoid that by grouping your like ideas together, by moving those bricks together. And one of the ways that you can do this is print out your document or use the comment feature in Word or Google Docs. And you can comment at the beginning of each paragraph and identify what the main idea of that paragraph is. So let's say it's camping. And then the next paragraph is water safety. Oh, and then the following paragraph is camping again, like in general, be like, oh, right. And then your next paragraph is tents. Cool. But then your next paragraph is water safety. And you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is what I mean by jumping around. So you start moving those bricks next to each other, put all of your water related content together, put all of your Tent related content together. And now you're starting to get a more cohesive piece. And then once you've got all of those ideas grouped together, you can then look through it again and be like, what did I start off talking about? What's the point I want to make at the end of the section or chapter and make sure that it flows logically, right? Like you're not going to want to probably talk about tents before you talk about camping in general. Probably want to start out talking about camping in general and then move on to tents. Think about the hierarchy of the content in terms of just natural progression. If you also feel like you can't identify the main idea of a paragraph because you've actually identified five ideas in that paragraph, and then you've been doing that a lot, so you don't know how to group those items together, you can actually use the highlighter tool and designate a color per idea. So say when you're talking about water safety, that's pink. And when you're talking about camping in general, that's green. And when you're talking about tents, that's blue. And when you highlight the piece like that, the colors will pop at you and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I need to move all of my green over here, all of my blue over here and all of my pink over here. And it makes it a visual way to see how you need to reorganize your content. So your like ideas are grouped together. I love doing that, especially when people are like, I don't understand why my ideas are bouncing around. And then I give them like two pages of Highlighting colors all over the place, and they're like, Whoa! And I love seeing them put them all back together again. And I'm like, You guys got it. That's great. So don't underestimate the power of the highlighter. So, again, we're talking about your structure now within a chapter or a section. And the next thing that you want to do after you've grouped your liked ideas together, you've put them in a logical order. What you also want to do is look at the paragraph and say to yourself, What is the point? purpose, the goal of this chapter or section. You need to identify that. Then go through paragraph by paragraph without emotional attachment, more of the reader's eyes, and ask yourself, does this paragraph support my goal or purpose? Or does it actually detract from my purpose or goal? Because if you've gone on a tangent, you're not supporting the purpose of that section or chapter, which means that other piece is in the wrong spot and needs to be relocated. Maybe you accidentally put the sofa in the kitchen, right? That's what you're doing there. And you go, whoa, let me find out where that actually belongs and drag it over there, okay? To sum up, once again, look at each paragraph and decide if it supports or hinders the goal or purpose of your section or chapter, okay? And that's where you're going to have to probably kill some of those darlings, but it's okay. Shift them into the other Word documents so they're saved and you can lay them to rest peacefully. Everything that I just talked about now about keeping like ideas together, whether or not it supports or hinders, that is the type of editing you get with an inline editor. That is a lot of what I do. And I love it because to me at that point, moving bricks around, it's like puzzle pieces. And I don't know. I just find that very exciting. (laughs) Anyway, so after you have got the structure now for chapters, book, article, etc. after you have put together the architect of your piece and it is solid, that's when you start moving down into your sentence-level edits. This is also called, in the writing process, it refers to uh, the carpenter. Now, sentence-level edits, Is a whole other topic, friends. It really is. I'm not going to go really deep into that right now, but I am going to give you a couple tips about that, okay? But please know, don't get hung up on your sentence level edits until you have gone through and secured and reinforced the structure of your piece. Jumping around in the writing process is what trips up a lot of people that they get so frustrated with their work that they just, they're like, this is garbage, and they give up on it. Once your structure is sound, that's when you're going to move on to sentence level edits. And that's when you're looking at the individual paragraphs now and you're looking at the sentences with them. And you also want to make sure that they are flowing in a natural progression from one thought to the other, still based around a single idea in that paragraph. And then here are two bits of advice that I have for sentence level edits. Go back to your highlighter tool and look at a paragraph and highlight your adjectives and your adverbs. And see how many of those you rely on in a paragraph. It's a fun little exercise that you can do with your writing. I am not against adjectives and adverbs. But if you rely too heavily on them, they can weaken your sentences. And I mean, I'm doing this off the cuff right now. And when I'm a writer, I am thinking and taking my time. So doing this off the cuff is a bit harder for me. But I'm going to try to give you an example here, okay? Say you have a sentence like, the beautiful tree sits at the edge of the lake. Not a bad sentence. A beautiful tree. That is such an abstract concept. Beautiful can mean so many different things to different people. So if you cut out the word beautiful and instead you say to yourself, what is it about this tree that really makes it beautiful? Maybe it's the way that the willow's tresses cascade. Down the trunk of the tree and brush the surface of the water. That creates a concrete image in somebody's head. That is a lot more descriptive than just relying on the word beautiful. So yes, once again, highlight how many adjectives and adverbs you're using in your paragraphs and then start looking how you can kill a bunch of them. To kill all of them, let's see how you could replace them and just really make your images more concrete. Another recommendation to play with for sentence level is, again, using the highlight tool, use yellow for when you are showing and green for when you are telling. And you need both. I know everybody says show don't tell, but the truth of the matter is there are times when you want to tell people stuff, okay? If your character has just come inside and eaten dinner but that's not a major important scene. I don't need you to describe to me everything they're eating on their plate and how delicious it was. Like, it's like, nope. After he ate dinner, boom. Great. Now take me into the scene I want to go in, okay? If you take a page and highlight your shows versus your tells, you'll be able to see if you have balance, if you're doing way too much telling, if you're doing a lot of showing, is it stuff that needs to be shown? And when it comes down to the knit and gritty stuff, grammar, punctuation, spelling, all that, please friends, don't get hung up on that. You only have to worry about the proofreading at the very, very end. And that's what proofreaders are for, okay? So, so don't stress about that. Worry about writing your first draft. Then you can start looking at the structure. Then you can move on to paragraph levels. Then you move on to sentence level. And then you pull in your proofreader at the end to get the last little bits. How many times people say that they can't write past the first sentence because it was terrible or, you know, I'm getting so stressed out about commas and semicolons and, oh, it just aggravates me, right? Dude, don't worry about that stuff. Let your creativity out. Your creative side does not care about those pieces. And that's okay. That's what editors are for. I hope you have found this helpful. And good luck with all of your revisions. And at the end of the day, just keep writing. Okay? That's what it comes down to. Just keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Parents Who Write. If you want to connect with other parents who want to write, join my Facebook group, Parents Write Now.